you have the chance to win a Spring Super Sweeps from LAist. Donate $60 for one entry to win a brand new Lexus or $25,000 in cash. Check out all the other prizes too when you donate now at laist.com sweeps. LAS Studios. Just a heads up that we are not clinical experts, and if you need professional support, there will be some links and resources listed in the podcast description. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Yeah, No, I'm Not Okay. How are you? Like, how are you? I hope you're doing better than okay, but if you're not, welcome, and thank you for joining me in this experiment. You know, one thing that I keep learning is that it's so important to find community with people who understand the value of mental health. And one person I found values mental health a lot, like a whole lot, is my new friend, Eric Andre. I know, right? Who knew? (laughs) Eric is known for his absurdist comedy. He has the Eric Andre show on Adult Swim, as well as his new movie, Bad Trip, on Netflix. And it was so important for me that Eric come on and talk about his experience and his passion for mental health because he has some really interesting things to say about it, and I wanted to share it with you. But first, here's a clip of when we first met. You want to boof this cheesecake? Like eat it? No, boof it. I don't know what boof is. You got to parachute it into your ass. Oh my God. Take it. Take it there. God damn it. Ah! Oh. Oh. And now if I got a sugar rush. <laughs> I think you should run for president. God, it hurts to sit. Can we start over? Yeah, we, let's I, just take it. Yeah. Obviously, this left a big impression, and I just had to know more. The LAS Spring Super Sweeps is happening now. You can win amazing prizes while supporting your source for local fact-based journalism. One lucky grand prize winner will get to choose a brand new Lexus or $25,000 in cash. Other prizes include an electric bike from Juice Bikes and $1,000 gas gift cards. Your donation of $60 gets you one entry to win. And the more you give, the more entries you get. Donate now at LAS.com sweeps. Start your Saturday with something that will grow your kiddos' brains and get their creative juices flowing. Join us at LAS for a morning of multilingual story times, interactive performances, art making, and lots of kid fun. Bring the whole fam and join us for a super fun Saturday at LAS in Pasadena on June 1st. Tickets at LAS.com slash events. See you there. Eric. 
Thank you so much. How are you? How's Atlanta? Of it's course. It's good. Is the Claremont Lounge open? The Claremont, it is actually. Like, Claremont Lounge is open and Swinging Richards oh, is wow. open. That's which quite a was, night. That's my favorite fucking night. Like, <laughs> can I tell you the last time I was at Swinging Richards, like, man. Somebody like knocked me out with a dick. I'm not even kidding. Yeah. Like that really happened. Well, first I got a cock watch. <laughs> and then some dude was like dancing on me, whatever. I really like this guy. He's great. Um, <laughs> very, very large penis. Ernesto, I'm familiar. <laughs> no. Familiar with his work. Yo, he really like swung it back and like it hit me in the forehead oh. and it, and I fell aback. Like I was like, whoa, I, I fell off my chair. And how is that legal? Um, Eric, thank you so much for joining me. Of course. And uh, this podcast. Uh, yeah, no, I'm not okay is what we decided on. That's pretty good. Thank I, you. I think this is like my favorite topic to talk about, by the way. So like with with no hesitation, I signed up for this. Oh, that makes me podcast. very happy. This is my favorite topic because it's kind of like what I I just talk about this all day long because I feel like I have to just tell people why I'm behaving the way I'm behaving on a daily basis. And it's just because I'm usually going through some mental health troubles or... You seem um, very stable to me. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm actually shocked that you have any issues. I mean, I don't, we don't know each other well, but from, right. the, from, the, from the little bit we've, we've chatted, you seem, you seem pretty even keel, especially for most actors that i know who are off the off the in planet neptune you know sure I mean? I mean i so. think that might have something to do with the fact that i was always trying to protect my family and like mm. always make sure that you know kind of always taking care of business like while while they were just off like being like living their mental illness mm. <laughs> i was are always kind of trying to protect protect are, them are you the um the one in the family that tries to keep the family together. I don't know what the word is. Like everybody goes to you with their problems and you have to be like the referee. Yeah. Kinda. Yeah. 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 I, I, I like took on the role of like savior from a very like early age. That puts a lot of pressure on yourself though. Yeah, of course. Of course. It's not. Like, that's... Look, you're, you're rubbing your neck. That's all neck <laughs> and back pain shit. There's no, it's definitely not good for like someone who's trying to just act natural and like be themselves. What yeah. are you? So your parents are cuckoo, or what's up? <laughs> well, I feel like we've just experienced a lot of trauma um, at an early age. I think my parents experienced a lot of trauma at an early age, and so did my brother, and so did I. Well, and yeah, I think, your parents got like Gestapo, like yeah. ice kicking down their door, kidnapped, basically. Yeah, right? they did get yeah. kidnapped. Yeah, That's exactly. Gnarly. That is gnarly, and like we. You know, they I think they were in the States for 25 years. Um, and like each one of those years was like them being afraid of being captured. But yeah, there was a lot of like hate from like many corners. Well, you're in Boston, right? Are you from Boston? I'm from Boston. Yeah. yeah. You experienced Boston, right? Uh, you went to Berkeley. Yeah. That's dope. You know, I was at Boston Academy and you graduated oh seven when oh, did you graduate oh five. Oh, five. Four, oh, five. yeah i grad i graduated high school oh four okay we get it you're young 
No, no, no. I mean, whatever. First of all, we're I get like, it. One, I'm one day closer to death. We're close. We're close in age. Okay. Back Wait, did then, we go to, maybe not. Were we in Boston at the same time? That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Oh we, no way. I was in right in front of Fenway Park. That was where my school was, and you Dude, were in I'm, Berkeley, and I was like all up in Berk, like all up in the streets of where Berkeley was. I mean, I went to Spikes. You remember Spikes, the fucking the hot dog joint? Did you ever Spikes, indulge? I don't know. I remember Crazy Dough and Little Crazy Stevie's Dough. Little Stevie's Pizza. Yeah. But I was right on Peterborough Street, right across from Fenway. We would go to the roof and watch, try to watch the jumbotron of Red Sox games. Right. I was right there. Yeah. Get and the then fuck I out of here. yeah, and I would um, my school would take us like I would I had classes at Berkeley as well, and like I we did performances in Berkeley and stuff. No way. Yeah, it was a so, rat's nest. I had so many mice and rats in my disgust. I lived in squalor. Okay. Ugh. Okay. Yeah. And then did you like the fens when you would go by the fens and there was like weird things happening in the fens? You found like, I remember we found a dead body, some shit like no that. No way. What? Yeah, we found lots of stuff. <laughs> we found a lot of stuff, a lot of sexual activity there. Oh, wow. Um, yo, um, I want to say thank you so much for having me on your show. Like, Of course. <laughs> I, I, people usually don't say that after the interview. You know what? I actually got like... People were really excited for me, like when yeah, they saw me on your show. Your publicist was not so excited, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> and people really, really enjoyed watching me watch you shove cheesecake up your ass. So <laughs> yeah. ever so delicately, by the way. Yeah, you know, I'm a pro. I've been there before. And yeah. uh, I've boofed a lot of substances in my ass I, and so. now and now i'm boofing substances in my ass and you didn't so, know what boofing was and i educated you i didn't you did i mean and that's why you're on here because i feel like you have created this incredible um space for folks um like first of all you're you're smart as hell you're thoughtful you've oh, created you. a, a beautiful uh space for folks to where they can relate and and see themselves in your work um and i appreciate that thanks so Thanks for coming on. Of course. Anytime. Yes. I appreciate you. You did so you studied music at Berkeley. Did you were you playing music at, at a young age? Yeah, I did piano when I was 5. Mm -hmm. And then I did tuba in middle school and then cello and bass in high school and then I went to college for bass. After high school he moved to my hometown Boston and went to Berkeley School of Music. Obviously, music is not his number one thing anymore, but he still geeks out over it. You wanna see my my new bass? Yeah, let me see. Oh shit, look at that upright. <laughs> yeah, I just played the Seinfeld bass line. You have to like carry that shit like all over Boston. What a mistake. <laughs> I'm an idiot. I'm a fucking idiot. I'm so, a fucking moron. So you basically saw the humor in, in you carrying that giant bass all over town. And then you decided to what? Start your career in comedy? Like how did that happen? I was in a band. I was in a shitty band. Mm -hmm. Actually, we weren't shitty. I actually liked my band a lot. But um, I think we played all of three shows in our career. And, uh, you know, we were just doing these like open mics all around town. I did an open mic in like Cambridge, Massachusetts in this, um, 
bar called All Asia, which I don't know if it exists anymore, but they, my band played a show there and I saw a flyer there that said open my comedy night. And I was like, hmm, let me give that a whirl. And I tried it. I tried doing stand up and I fell in love with it instantly. The th- only reason I stood up, like, fell in love with it instantly, though, is because I invited my friends to the first few shows I did, and I was like, I'm a funny motherfucker. And then the very, like, the fifth show I ever did where my friends weren't there in the audience, and I did it for a bunch of strangers, also in Cambridge at this place called Comedy Studio across from uh, Harvard, uh, I bombed so hard, <laughs> like, so unbelievably hard, and then had a panic attack on stage. And it was just like, ah, 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 ah. and then, but I knew I just had to like get over my stage fright and I just committed to it. And I don't know, I just fell in love with stand up right away and realized that like the music industry, it felt like there was no rhyme. This is as I'm finishing college. I just felt like there was no rhyme or reason to who made it and who didn't make it in the music industry. Cause I mm-hmm. knew really, really virtuosic performers and amazing songwriters that were like totally poverty stricken and like whoever Ashley Simpson or some Justin Bieber schmuck was like you know a multimillionaire from it so Mm -hmm. I was like there's no rhyme or reason to this but I felt comedy if I get really funny I'll at least have like I'll at least get a job doing something writing for a show on cable or or Mm -hmm. something I'll be able to do something with this Rather than upright bass, which is like, I'm just going to be playing weddings and like teaching jaded teenagers their scales. Like it just didn't, I I was just looking at my future and I was like, and I wanted to move to New York City, which I did right as I finished college. So I was like, I don't know, comedy just, it it lit up my brain in a different way. I really liked it. But were you always funny? I was always a class clown. Yeah. I mean, that doesn't mean I was always funny. I thought I was funny. Right, <laughs> right. I, I was, but I always got class clown award, like, since kindergarten. Do you I do? I was so spastic in, do... in school. I was like, <laughs> you know why? Because in the 80s, my diet was like apple juice, orange juice, and peanut butter jelly. Like, only sugar. <laughs> so I was just like, <laughs> bouncing off the walls. And I would get straight A's. I would, like, do my homework really fast in class. And, like, as the teacher was teaching the lesson and then, like, finish it and turn it in, the homework that was due, like, the next week. And then I'd just be like... And you just wanted to mess around. I was such a spaz. I was fucking nuts. Did you did you have, like, ADD or anything like that growing yeah, up? Or like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's pretty... Is it not obvious? You've seen my show. I've seen your show. I'm like, I'm like a fucking goldfish with my attention span. I'm like, huh, huh, what's that? Huh, 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 huh. Yeah. I tried to do Adderall. It doesn't doesn't work for me. So, were you like um, just thinking about your childhood? I mean, you said your dad was a psychiatrist. He was, yes. He, right. He, he just retired. Yeah. And so, like, would he just like if you were like acting up or like showing signs? Like, you, you talk. You also talk about being experiencing some anxiety. Like, would would your dad just be like, here, take this pill? No, not at all. He weirdly didn't, like, want to talk about work. He didn't bring his work home with him. But also, my dad was very aloof and absent in my childhood. Mm. He was just like, my dad is, like, old school Caribbean. He's from Haiti. And, like, his dad had, his parents had 100 kids. Like, my dad has, like, 100 siblings. And, like, he grew up where your parents, your dad kind of just ignores you and you don't speak until spoken to. He grew up in like an old school Catholic 
Caribbean thing. So like he didn't interact with me until I was like 25. He kind of just like ignored me completely. Did that affect you? Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Look at me. (laughs) Oh, yeah, I'm doing fine. Uh, (laughs) We didn't pick like a healthy, normal person career. You know what I mean? We're constantly like, hey, I'm searching for validation from strangers. (laughs) That's so true. So so then do you like, so did you experience like mental health problems as a kid then? Were were you feeling anxiety then? Yeah, I always had anxiety and I don't know why it took me so long to figure out the importance of going to therapy. You know what? It really took until I moved here. So I went to college at Boston. I lived in New York for five years and I came to LA and then when I started auditioning i was so bad no one's worse at auditioning than me i'm uh, I'm, I'm, I, I'm, I'm, worse. I'm dreadful i'm, I'm worse dre- than you no, there's no way i i i want to like dig up an old audition tape and show you how bad i am like look like delivering lines into the camera like dry swallowing and like <laughs> looking at the sides like ha ha i was a fucking mess especially when i started i was a fucking mess i had no idea what i was doing i was so bad at it and then falling down from like having panic attacks in every single putting so much pressure on myself and having mm-hmm. panic attacks in every single audition that I was like, there's no way there's something wrong. There's no way I'm going to be able to make this a career if if I, I can't like if I have like such bad stage fright. Mm-hmm. And then my acting teacher was like, why don't you go to fucking therapy? What are you doing? And right. I was like, oh, yeah. Duh. And then as soon as I started going to therapy. It was like such a release off my shoulder. My first therapist told me like, why don't you start meditating? I started meditating. I still meditate twice a day and just like everything aligned. And then I started booking things and then I started actually having somewhat of a career. Then I sold the Argandre show and, but it all came from mental health. That's why I'm so, I think this is like the, possibly the most important podcast I'm doing because I think once I started prioritizing mental health and realizing that no mental health has to come first mm-hmm. like it's not about like when I'm like preparing for an audition I'm not like oh I got to memorize my lines first or I got to rehearse with my buddy first no it's like mental health has to come first I got to like kick my day off meditating Mm-hmm. I should journal. I, I'm a I'm a real hippie. I mean, I do like <laughs> I was yeah. doing like qigong and tai chi to like kind of fucking mentally balance and stuff like that. There's a couple books I read that I think are like so important. I'm a big like. Um, there's this guy, Doctor John Sarno, who wrote Healing Back Pain, mm-hmm. um, which is a book that changed my life because uh, I had like crippling back pain from um, the the short and long of it. I'll try to like sum up the book very succinctly. It's like basically your body experiences these chronic pains like back pain or neck pain or allergies or colitis or, or ulcers or, or fibromyalgia because it is trying to create distractions from um, undesirable emotions uh, repressed and suppressed in your subconscious mind. And one of the main emotions um is rage and your rage comes from just the pressure you put on yourself to be like the best you can be or like be a, a be an actor or be a musician mm-hmm. or whatever or whatever you're pursuing 
it creates rage inside because your id, your childlike mind, resents all that pressure you put on yourself. Another another personality type is like what we're talking about with your situation, where like the person in the family that always tries to be like the referee and tries to balance mm -hmm. everybody in the family and takes on all the family's problems and tries to play mediator. Like yeah. your your subconscious resents that position sure. and that creates internal rage in your subconscious mind and creates all these pains. So anyway, when I was like in my mid twenties, late twenties, I started figuring out prioritize mental health. That comes first and then everything else comes after because if you're not happy there's no point to do anything so totally that's my, oh my that's my speech yeah that's amazing yeah i can relate to that too i have some physical pain yes yeah, so basically um the pain is real you are experiencing real pain however the cause of the pain is not coming from the little area the cause of the pain is undesirable emotions you know suppressed in your subconscious mind so the the cure is therapy and journaling what you do is voluntarily instead of mm -hmm. involuntarily you voluntarily bring all those those topics your mind's avoiding up to the surface via journaling or via therapy or both mm -hmm. so you see you're like oh, this is really corny maybe oversharing but like i wrote huh. like one of the first things i did i wrote a letter to my dad that i would never send to him like fuck you dad you were never there for me that kind of shit mm -hmm. and i just wrote a letter and like I knew I was never going to send it to him. I wrote it all out. Everything I was ever pissed about from fucking year zero to now. Or like, you know, I wrote a letter to like the school bully that I never planned on. Said, you just get that shit all out. And at first mm -hmm. it's really stressful getting it out. You're really, it's really painful when it starts coming out. Because you're all your mind has ever done up until that point is try to suppress it. Right. So at first, your body's going to start fighting it. And you're going to have more pain and more stress. You're going to start crying. I, I broke out in hives one time during a Damn. breakup, but like my foot, my face closed up. You're going to have more pain at first, but that's just your body's last attempt of suppressing all that stuff. Mm -hmm. But what you really want to do is you want to voluntarily bring, dig that dirt up, bring it to your conscious mind. And there's like, I think there's like a physiological component where it actually your trauma crosses from one hemisphere of the brain to the other and like travels down the spine and then wow. you process the trauma and then you're you have like this great like sense of relief afterwards i mean this is like this took me like more than 15 years of therapy to get, get here and i'm wow. still figuring myself out but right were you like formally diagnosed with anything no my therapist is a strange like They'll always like tease out my diagnosis, but I think they don't want me to like pathologize myself too mm -hmm. much because that'll mm -hmm. like just create more anxiety. Right. You right. know, I have anxiety and I'm, and like an obs obsessive compulsive thought process, and like the two kind of go hand in hand. Like my anxiety is a way to cope with my obsessive. Oh no, my my obsessive compulsive thinking is a way to process my anxiety, or vers mm -hmm. vice versa. Mm -hmm. um and i'm a bit ADD, but my therapist always comes around to like but don't get tripped up on that like right it's, it's almost not important right you know like labeling shit yeah i mean yeah. if you have schizophrenia or right. bipolar 2 disorder then yeah you probably want to get diagnosed and you want to get on some kind of medication because that's a pretty serious 
chemical thing going on in your brain, you know. Right. So that that's I think a different bag. But um that's the sad that's sadder for me, people that are like undiagnosed bipolar. Um, because they live a torturous life that is fucking tough. That is not easy to do without like proper medical treatment. I agree. I mean, some people find it helpful to put a label on their diagnosis and others don't. And I'm sure in some cases it's helpful to know what's going on. Yeah, I, I watch a Kanye West interviews now and I'm just like, man, I hope that guy finds the right doctor and like admit, like steps up to the, you know. I think he finally did, but like the last few interviews when he was like, when he was in like Trump's office and he's talking right. to Trump and he's like, hey man, it's like we're all connected, like fractal geometry, man. Yeah, well, well pi yeah. equals 3.14155. I was like, oh, yeah, man, that's rough. And I yeah. think like black and brown people have a tough time. Like if you pitch them therapy, they're like, Psh, I don't need that shit. I got a strong mm -hmm. mind. And it's like, it's not about having a strong or weak mind. That's like the opposite. It's like, inner peace <laughs> as hippy dippy as it sounds but i think people from like a tough background too mm -hmm. they think that's like a sign of weakness mm -hmm. and they like are very reluctant to tell a complete stranger about all their traumas but it's kind of like that's who needs it the most that's like the who amount, needs it the most yeah like the trauma i remember kendrick lamar was on howard stern talking about his childhood and howard stern stopped him he's like it's like you grew up in a war zone talking about growing up in Compton in the like early nineties or whatever. Like he's like, it's like, it's like not that much different than growing up in like Fallujah or Baghdad mm -hmm. during mm -hmm. the, during the Iraq war. You know what I mean? The amount of like death that he saw every day. He's like that trauma that builds up, you know? So there be just a way to process the trauma and get like that relief. Your brain needs it. It's like going to the gym. Yeah. And it, yeah, it's like, or going to the cleaners. It's like, you gotta like, yeah. Maybe the cleaners isn't a good example. Yeah, cleaners is good. A, but you gotta, you gotta shed or taking a shower. I don't know. You gotta fucking shed all you of that dirt. You shower at the cleaners in the gym. <laughs> yeah. I feel like we have a lot of the same things going on. Um, I think yeah, a lot of us I'm an do. Aries, bit of a something moon sign, fucking <laughs> fire. <laughs> that I don't. I. I don't think I know many Aries. Um, yeah, I, I don't, know. A I don't know what any of that shit means. <laughs> it means something. Yeah. It means Na something. Namaste. Speaking of um, zodiac signs and, and things like that, I saw that you posted a very beautiful Valentine. Yes. Uh, the other day. I got to admit, though, I was kind of like a little miffed about it. I was just like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you got a valentine it doesn't matter what i do eric okay it matters what you do and what you what everybody else is doing to me um <laughs> are you in a relationship yeah okay that's nice i love that i love that for you Thank how you. is it how is it i mean I, I mean you're what you're meditating what twice a day yes um and you're going to therapy how many times a week i usually go three times a week i'm going like once a week now okay that's still really I used good to i used to book double so i'm talking two hour sessions i know what you mean i'd be doing two I, like my therapist actually had to tell me like if we we that we should cut our sessions to like from an hour and a half to just an hour and i was just like what are you talking about 
Um, <laughs> you were like, don't leave me. <laughs> we were doing two hours, and she's like, I think you could do, I think you could do an hour and a half now. And I was like, pissed about that. You're like, I'm not fucking leaving. I'm like, I'm not fucking ready. You um, locked the door from the inside. But it's good. It's good. It's good that that means that like you're doing something right. Um, how is that with your like relationship though? Like, I mean, I know like even 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 if I do like you are so jealous. It's so adorable. <laughs> I'm I'm burning up inside. <laughs> I can see <laughs> I'm you're literally... sweating. You're tugging at your collar. <laughs> I'm so upset about you having a relationship. Um, how does that work? Because I know that tears start falling down your face. <laughs> even though I'm still in therapy, and even though um, I'm working on myself and I'm healing. Are you married? No, I'm not married. I'm in a relationship. Yeah, how long? How long? How long you been going? Okay. You guys going uh, strong? Yeah, four years. See, so you moved in. Oh yeah. Share a dog. Two dogs. That's big. That's you, huge. And you're pregnant. I'm not pregnant. That's what I heard, though. Okay, I heard you're pregnant. That's what I read, and I. <laughs> I, I heard, heard you were pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> I heard you were announcing your pregnancy. Are you um, gonna have children with this man? The audience needs to know. <laughs> Eric, I'm asking you about your fucking relationship, okay? Not mine. Where is he and why didn't you post a Valentine's Day pic? That's what the world that's what our that's what your audience wants to know. Oh, so but I thought you just said I also posted a Valentine's pic. Are you on my Instagram right now? Do you see that I didn't? I see that you didn't and I I talked to your man and he was pretty upset. Um we're not the kind to like uh-huh. announce our love all that's of not what, That's not the, what he said. That's not what he said. We play Zoom Zoom poker. Okay. We have a poker night, and he was pretty... I'm going to assume his name is Dave. Let's say his name is Dave. Why did you post... Why did you post a Valentine's on on IG? Was that something... Because I've never even seen you post anything like like that, or anything romantic. Why did you post it this time? I don't think we're talking about me right now. I think we are talking about you. (laughs) This is the Eric Andre show. You make it the Eric Andre show wherever you go. So (laughs) that's how we're asking. Well, my my real question was, like, how do you make relationships work? Like, I know it's hard. Why I didn't post the Valentine's Day that day? Because probably I was, I was probably being an asshole. I was probably like my, we call her that girl. Which is like, you know, the rage, anger inside me that mm-hmm. usually travels in the back seat. Um, and I know that it takes it takes a lot of work. Is that do you find it hard to be in relationships? <laughs> as hard as it's hard as hard as it is for me. It's like awkwardly tap dancing through this conversation. Um uh, Yeah, I think it's I think but for everybody, you know what I mean, I think. <laughs> I'm asking for you. Um, do you guys do like couples therapy? Like, are you are you are you on, in that state? How long have you been with your partner? Um, like a, like a year. Okay. Are you guys doing couples therapy yet? No. Is that something you're open to? Oh yeah, of course. Okay. I think that's like almost. Should be like necessary. It is, right? Like, yeah, absolutely. How do you get? How do you traverse it? But you will say that meditation <laughs> makes dating easier. Being in a relationship easier. Well, I think it makes everything easier. I think like mm-hmm. <clears throat> it reduces your anxiety. Mm-hmm. It helps you process your thoughts. 
it helps with insomnia, you know, sleep hygiene. It helps with your bullshit tolerance. I can I can kind of deal with more bullshit throughout the day. It doesn't make you perfect. <clears throat> it's not a magic wand, but it makes life coping with life a little easier. Mm -hmm. I think. Coming up, how Eric Andre thinks we can make mental health sexy. Hi, I'm Tracy Thomas, host of One for the Books, and we are back for another round. This is clearly an NPR audience. Yeah, <laughs> I think they're so smart. Just, what the hell? My guests this time are actor Vela Lavelle and author Amanda Montel, whose new book, The Age of Magical Overthinking, is out now. Join us on May 15th at the Crawford Family Forum for book talk, trivia, and hot takes. Tickets can be found at laist.com slash events. The journalists of LAist work for you. I'm LAist correspondent Frank Stoltz. With Democracy at a Crossroads, my job is to cover civics and democracy from the voters' perspective. I examine who holds power, how they wield it, and how that affects all of us across Southern California. LAist. Independent journalism. Fact-based journalism. So, Eric, can you tell me about this kind of meditation that you do? It's called Transcendental Meditation, right? Yes. Can you explain what it is? Uh, I hang upside down like a bat. <laughs> and I, um, I slice one of my fingers open. And then the blood drips into a candle. And then I turn on the movie Interview with a Vampire. And then I say, Lord Not Blackula? Sama. <laughs> and then Blackula. And then Dracula. Um... No, it's actually very simple. You sit in a comfortable position with your eyes closed. I took a class and the guy gave me a mantra. If you don't have a mantra, you can just focus on your breath. You just want to, either a breath or a mantra, it's kind of the same thing. It's kind of like this meaningless, simple, minimal thing for your mind to focus on. So sit comfortably, close your eyes, then start breathing. You don't got to breathe fast or slow, just breathe regular. Think of the inhale, think of the exhale. Think of the inhale, think of the exhale. You can give it a color if that helps you think about it. And then slowly but surely your mind will start to wander. Thoughts will come in and out of your mind like ships on an ocean. And you don't judge the thoughts. They can be stressful thoughts and that's actually healthy. That's your body, that's your mind processing stress. They can be positive thoughts. They can be neutral thoughts. You don't judge the thoughts. You just let them come and go. And then slowly once you're like, oh yeah, I'm meditating. I'm thinking thoughts. Then you slowly go back to the breath. In, out, in, out. The biggest complaint is people go oh but i fall asleep during meditation that's kind of one of the best outcomes you could have that means you're sleep deprived if you fall asleep during meditation it means you're sleep deprived if you're thinking negative thoughts during meditation that's great that means you're processing a lot mm -hmm. of stressful thoughts um if you're uncomfortable and you got to scratch your nose or you're not, not seating comfortable scratch your nose stretch your legs shift around you can shift as much as you want to um the only thing you don't want to do when you're meditating is like lie down completely like you're taking a nap because you will take a nap you want to be like seated but just see you don't have to sit like full lotus like you're a monk like right. from from like 17th century nepal just sit like how you're like watching tv like sit on a couch sit in a chair it's really really simple and you don't have to do 20 minutes a day you can do one minute a day they say start out by just doing one minute a day 
and then build to five minutes and then build to 10 minutes and then build to 20 minutes. But uh, it's really easy. And I think people have a lot of, people think it's like, okay, you sit like full Lotus in this uncomfortable, unnatural position and you have to force, you can't think about anything. You have to free your mind of all thoughts. And if any thought came in, you fucked up. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, that's like, it's like the opposite of that. I love that. That's, that's me. I'm, I've been meditating too. Um, and actually I just recorded this because I'm submitting it to, uh, Headspace for you. I think you should be one of the voices on Headspace. Cause you oh, just, that's cool. I've you never led... done, I've never done Headspace because, uh, I'm not, I'm not again, I, I think like all roads lead to the same thing, whatever works for you, works for you. I'm not anti-Headspace mm -hmm. at all. I just don't like my phone on while I meditate. Yeah. I don't like, I want to like avoid electronics. You know what? I got to say, I fucked up this Valentine's Day. I'm sorry. I messed yeah. did it up. Okay. I mean, we you know were what all it was? Upset. I got, I just got, I was going to post something and I just got really grossed out with everybody posting shit. Like, everybody's like, this is me and my love. And I'm like, ugh, fucking Kate Hudson was like, <laughs> showed this video of like her and her man walking through a forest or some shit. And like, you know that video where like some, your man's videotaping you and you're pulling your man from, with, oh yeah, <laughs> with what the is hand. It? Take, take my arm. Take my hand. Take or something. my hand. Oh, yeah, yeah, I yeah. saw that. I, yeah. I just, <laughs> I just like, saw. Live, laugh, love. <laughs> I just saw like my whole life. Just I just like I can't do this to myself because it didn't feel it didn't feel natural mm -hmm. at that point. <laughs> I do have a problem with like sharing my personal life like that. Of course, online. No, it's it's a, it's a tricky. Totally. Yeah. I, yeah. I'm just I'm busting your chops. I no, think I know. A, it's a hard. <laughs> It's a hard needle to thread. You got to figure out like what is like fun and mm -hmm. like makes me personable and relatable and fun to share and what is like oversharing and like an invasion of my own privacy. Mm -hmm. It's a, I like, just, I, like I would never put my niece or nephew on my right. I do really my my sister. Even. I put my parents on a couple times and that was me being like risque, but you know. <laughs> Yeah. I know it, it. It makes me. I just don't like people commenting on and and maybe this is part of my problem. Like I should not give a shit what people say. I just like you can say anything you want about me, but like as soon as you like comment something negatively about somebody that I love or care about, yeah. like that just makes me 100%. so angry and it makes 100%. me hide. It makes me hide even more. So I just I worry that if I post a picture that's so intimate that it's gonna make me just you can't you can disable comments. Yeah, but then, yeah, you're right. Okay, I can do that. I, maybe I'll, maybe I'll, I'll disable the comments and put a whole family picture as, up there. It's not as fun. It's not as fun. It's not as fun. You don't get the dopamine drip of like, oh, I got a billion likes and I don't want that. In. I don't want that though. I don't want. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I don't want people commenting on my shit. I don't want you telling me anything about my relationship. You don't know it. You're right. So I think that's my, but Gosh, I don't know, maybe defensive much. I'm a little defensive. You know what? <laughs> Next time I'll, I'll do it when it's like, no, Valentine's day. How's that? Do it on Halloween. I'll do it on Halloween. That's actually my favorite holiday. Same. Really? I, I just booked, I'm going to Oaxaca. I'm doing, um, once I get that shot, yeah. uh, vaccine, I, um, going to Oaxaca for day of the dead, October 31st. What? Can I go? Dios de las I'm serious. Yeah, come. I guess I could do whatever the fuck I want. You can do whatever you want. All right, I'll be there. Come. Simple as that. Bada bing, bada boom. Do you think that you use comedy to cope with your mental health? I think so. I think 
I know not to overshare. You do need privacy. You do need boundaries. It's healthy. I think at the beginning I was trying to overshare because I wanted to emulate Richard Pryor. Uh, and um, it's like, it's very like sexy to be vulnerable on stage. And I don't even mean sexy in a sexy way. I mean like, it's like, it makes the audience open up when you have the confidence to be vulnerable on stage and really open yourself up and go, this is me, I'm fucked up. I have this fucked up shit going on inside me. And I've always been embarrassed a bit about it, but I'm sharing it with you to kind of help me cope with it and help process it and help be relatable. Um, so maybe I'm speaking too abstractly. I can't think of it like a, I mean, just watch my stand-up special, I guess, if you want an example, but I can't think of an example off the top of my head, but I'll tell you, I have done cocaine on stage one time and never again. I would, my heart was pounding out of my chest. I was like totally fine. And my friend's like, you want a little bit of coke? And I was like, before I go on stage, I was like, well, Robin Williams did it. Ripped a line. And then my heart, I was like flop sweat, panic attack. I was like, ha, ah, ah, ha, what's the deal with your throat closing up? Ha, ah. ha, I was in this little club and I fucking melted like a candle i was like <laughs> so uh <laughs> don't do coke before do, you go on the stage. moral <laughs> before you go on stage in front of a bunch of strangers yeah it's the worst so basically you speak for all comedians and saying that you're all mentally ill <laughs> yeah so i mean some I, some more than others i think some some people actually that i know have it pr pretty well together surprisingly um, it's always the opposite. The ones that act really fucking nuts on stage tend to be kind of like sane off stage. Mm -hmm. And the ones that kind of act like suave on stage are like a fucking mess. Like, I'm like, ha, 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 please, no. Like, I know who... <laughs> you, you never know. Like, somebody's stage persona does not indicate what they're like off stage all the time. It's very... It's it's always a surprise, I'll tell you that. Um you like some like really macho tough guy persona guys in New York that you'd meet were the biggest teddy bears when they got off stage and so sweet. Like, how you been, bro? What's going on? I haven't seen you in fucking forever, dude. And then the opposite. Some guys that were like, hey, I'm like the hippie, like hipster, like nice guy. Like, hey, you know, like, like Michael Sarah wannabe guys would get off stage and they were total fucking asshole prick, wet noodle handshake classist elitist motherfucker i was like get your fucking ivy league ass out of here so you never fucking know I, it's a mixed bag you never know i think like my persona on the show is my id is like the childlike part of my mind and i'm getting it all out and it's like this bizarro caricature of myself that is like somewhere within me and i'm getting it all out on stage but I, I wouldn't be able to function in society if I acted like that 24 hours a day. <laughs> so um, I don't know. It's, it's just like kind of like the way I grew up joking around with my friends and trying to like out crazy each other, like in the lunchroom in middle school and high school is kind of like my persona on, 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 on my show. So I think people are bummed out when they meet me in person. They're like, this guy's fucking boring. I swear to God, this guy one time, I was online at a at a at a bon me sandwich shop in Toronto, and I was like waiting to get a, a, a Vietnamese sandwich. And it was like eleven thirty in the morning, and I was like filming something. It was like my lunch break, and it was like a walkway lunch or whatever. I, I ran across the street to grab a sandwich, 
And this kid came up to me. He's like, oh, Eric Andre. And he started yelling. And it was like, it was like quiet in the restaurant. I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just getting a sandwich. And he like looked at me like, like I was his toy that was broken. And then he started punching me on the back. He was like, come on, man. Ah! And I was like, dude, it's not even 12 o'clock yet. Like, oh, I'm, man. I'm so hungry. Like, I, I wish I could, like, bounce off the walls and, like, kick a glass window in. But, like, I'm just getting a sandwich, man. It's not that crazy. <laughs> yeah, it was like, it's early, man. <laughs> and he was so disappointed that I was mm. so pedestrian and lame. Just getting a sandwich and some chips. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I broke his heart. Okay, you're a very sexy guy, right? You you make and you make a lot of sexy content. You just all your all your stuff is very very sexy. You know, I'm starting an OnlyFans account. You are. Yeah, why not? Why not? I'm fucking going on it. I mean, if you're boofing any more stuff, I'm like <laughs> fucking. I'm addicted to boofing. I'm on boof.com. I'm on boof.com now. Uh, onlyboof.com. Um, yeah. How how do how do we make it? So You're getting young? hot under the collar there. I mean, it was You're really like, I got to get on boof.com. That moment really changed my life, seeing you boof that Jesus. I've never seen, I really didn't expect that. I didn't know why you were doing it. For me, I, mean, I felt very special. <laughs> For so, I was like, this is love. I'm like, this is what love is, yo. <laughs> This dude was willing to boof this cheesecake for me. Ladies, if your man ain't boofing cheesecake for you, I don't know what the fuck you're doing. That's right, girl. That's right. Yes, you honey. Get yourself with an Eric Andre because he yeah, will boof yes, for you. Queen. Find him on onlyboof.com. Um, how do we make how do we make mental health sexy? <laughs> it's tough. I don't know. You know what? I think I think you got to stress you got to stress that it's private. Like if if you really need therapy and you go, the therapist isn't allowed to tell anyone you were there. They're not legally allowed to tell anyone what was discussed. You have complete privacy and anonymity. And if you can't afford therapy, journaling is free and your journal will not tell anybody what you put in it and that mm -hmm. is incredibly therapeutic mm -hmm. um just get that shit out of your mind and onto paper it's like it's almost like a dump like it's just like you're throwing it in the recycling bin. you got to get it off your mind because while it's in your mind it's just creating too much chaos but i don't know i, I think like i think we're we're taking a step you know just talking mm -hmm. about it publicly and our struggles mm -hmm. with it and and you know, I think it. I'm telling you, I once I made the switch of prioritizing it. It's like the number one. It comes first. If you don't have your mind, that's it. You don't have anything. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. You see people talking to themselves on the street, and you're just like, man, if they could get their mind back, you know, yeah. they would have they would have peace. So, I don't know. It's a hard. It's it's hard to sell. It's hard to sell. I think just talking about it. I, yeah. I, 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 really, I wish I had the answer. I think you should run for office. I feel like you're so politically motivated and you have so much to say and you're so educated and bright. You know, I think you should I, run for office. I mean. Thank you. I want to help. You have my vote. 
<laughs> Thank you, Eric. I want to help elect the right people to office. Yeah, I think working in one of those offices has been fucking mind. miserable. I don't yeah, want to fucking do that. a lot that. of work. I'm like, I want to fucking sit home and boof cheesecake. I don't know what the fuck you want to do, but I don't want to be working in no office. Like, no thank you. There's people who can do that. <laughs> I want to boof cheesecake with Nithya. Nithya Raman was elected as Los Angeles City Council member for the 4th District, and we did that. The people did that. Yeah, she follows me on Instagram. She's awesome. She follows me too whenever. Yeah. We got her elected. Yeah. Or no, That's she follows great. me on Twitter. I'm sorry. She follows me on Twitter. AOC follows me on Twitter too. Yeah. Yeah. No biggie. She no big. Follow, she doesn't follow me and I was about to get a tattoo of her on my body. But oh, I'm not going to. I met her the night after she was elected. Isn't that crazy? Oh, really? I ran into her at the Stephen Colbert show like in the hallway. <sighs> She's incredible. And I was like, dude, you're gonna you're about to be famous, man. <laughs> she was very <laughs> yeah. sweet. She was very yeah. tiny and very sweet. I met her too. I met her at like this Teen Vogue thing. Um, and uh, I was introduced to her by Maria Teresa Kumar, who's the um she runs Voto Latino. Um Spanish, Voto Latino. And so and I Oye. met her I met her backstage and she was so beautiful and incredible. And mm. I still have she gave me her card. And I still have her card in my in my wallet. That's cool. Like like the first the the was it 2018 she was running or 2000? she's so cool. She's the baby babes. So let's let's fucking elect more babes like that totally, that totally. are going to prioritize mental health. Yeah. Right. That are gonna that are fucking gonna make sure that everyone has access. Right. It comes down to universal health care. Really. It does. I mean that's what our country lacks. You know. So I think that's a big part of it too. I mean, like, yeah, it, it, it goes back around to universal health care. That's yeah. what that's the answer. If you go walk into a therapist's office with no money in your pocket, get the therapy you need, get the privacy and anonymity that you need. Nobody mm-hmm. has to find out and then walk out without paying a dime. That would make a huge difference. But that's that's not the way of our country, unfortunately. <laughs> no, but 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 we but but we can fucking keep trying and we can that that is you know, at at the end of like literally everything, you know, like you're promoting your show, you promote your show and you just be like universal health care. Yeah. Yeah. It's it it's popular. I mean, there's people that vote Republican that are for universal health care. It is way more popular than Fox News, as you believe. Mm-hmm. And that's why I'm moving to Sweden. Ta ta <laughs> What do you have coming out this year? So I did a hidden camera prank movie with Tiffany Haddish and Lil Rel Howery from Get Out. And the Jackass Producers. That comes out March 26 on Netflix. March 26? It's called Bad Trip. Yeah, March 26. Is that like, are you so excited that you worked with the Jackass Producers? Just cause, like, oh, yeah. I grew up on Jackass. So, like, the, yeah, Jeff Tremaine was the, 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 main, the main guy. He's like the RZA of the Wu-Tang of Jackass. And he was my mentor. He's my mentor. I mean, he taught, he kind of taught me so many trade secrets. What do you feel like when that shit happens to you? It's surreal, and I get to. I'm doing a cartoon on Netflix with Matt Groening, and I'm such a huge Simpsons fan, and like all the Simpsons writers and EPs are working on it. So like, it's totally surreal. I have to like write that stuff down in my journal to remember like I'm doing okay. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. with the guy that made the Simpsons, he drew the Simpsons on a napkin and showed James L. Brooks, and 700 episodes later, he fucking he killed it, man. So. Yeah, and Jeff is like, yeah, Jeff's my mentor, so um, 
totally surreal. Well, I'm so happy all that shit is happening to you. Thank it's you. incredible. We're so proud of you. And Thank you. Couldn't, it couldn't happen to a better person, really. Thank you. You're awesome. Thank you. You too. Yeah, No, I'm Not Okay is a production of LAS Studios. Remember to rate and review our show. I just found out that it helps other people find it. So if you like it, share it with your friends. The more people we can get to have conversations about mental health, the better. If you've got a story you want to share about how you deal with mental health issues, send it my way. Record it on your phone's voice memo app and email it to yano at lastudios.com. And be sure to subscribe to our newsletter to get the latest episodes with a note from me, recommendations from our listeners and our team, and listener stories. Sign up at las.com slash newsletters. Jessica Pilot is our talent manager and producer. Our executive producers are Leo G and me, Diane Guerrero. Web design by Andy Cheatwood at the digital and marketing teams at Southern California Public Radio. Thanks to the team at LAS Studios, including Taylor Kaufman, Kristen Hayford, Kristen Muller, Michael Constantino, Robert Joe, Mildred Langford, and Leo G. And a special thanks to Brian Crawford. This program is made possible in part by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting, a private corporation funded by the American people. Additional support comes from the Angel Foundation, supporting transformational leaders, and by the California Healthcare Foundation, dedicated to improving the mental health care system for all Californians. As a farmer's son from a desert region in California, J.B. Hamby thinks a lot about water. I spent a lot of time digging up history, particularly about water, which is the origins of the Imperial Valley. How this 28-year-old became the youngest lead negotiator on the Colorado River ever. And how he could shape the most consequential negotiations to date. Listen to Imperfect Paradise, the Gen Z water dealmaker, wherever you get podcasts.